Alright, welcome to the Fitness Devil Podcast, and you're hearing Dean again, because somehow Andrew always leaves early, and then we just forget to do intros, and then we do them last second. This week we got another fellow Canadian, um, Marty McPhee, or Mega Marty. So he's a Calgary-based personal trainer, nutrition coach, and coach for a variety of fitness events, um, competitive classes in, in the aesthetics realm. And the bodybuilding round. And Marty is is behind the Mind Body broadcast podcast. So welcome, Marty. Essentially, we just get down to kind of some, I don't want to say hot fire topics, but some controversial stuff in terms of aesthetics, dieting, cardio. And we kind of let Marty just go on, I want to say like three 20-minute rants. So Andrew and I didn't have much to add because Marty is a wealth of knowledge. Marty's also doing things the right way, and when we say the right way is he does things based on experience, but he also uses an evidence-based approach, which is much different than some of the shit we see um, kind of at the forefront. So Marty's doing it the right way, and I think that you should listen to this because Marty's very informed with a lot of the psychology and the behavior behind a lot of the things he does in the coaching, and you, you can hear that in the podcast. So if you're one of Marty's listeners... Um, you're coming here to listen to him kind of go check out some of our other shit and you know what rate us review us share it if you liked it and you know what stay tuned it's gonna be a good one shut up and sit down All right, guys, welcome to the Fitness Devil Podcast. Uh, today on the show, we've got Marty McPhee. Some of you guys might know him as Mega Marty. He's a Calgary-based nutrition coach, uh, works online with clients, uh, with a variety of fitness competition classes, bikini girls, uh, all the way up. Marty, do you have any bodybuilders right now? Yes, I do. Yeah, I figured it was the entire gamut of it all. Uh, and uh, Marty's also involved with the Mind Body Broadcast Podcast. So uh, welcome on board, buddy. Good to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Really happy to be here. I'm really happy to be asked to be on here. So that's great. Yeah, you have a way better podcast voice than us. Like you sound like you could do, you sound like you could do radio. <laughs> yeah, well, at least you don't tell me I have a face for radio. That would be that would be really um, the best. But yeah, uh, I, I, try, I I really try to focus on slowing down because I can talk really fast and just you, like I can see you guys here on Skype to just like make a hand lowering motion if I start talking too fast. But yeah, thanks, man. You're, you should do good. that to me. You've also got like. Hair that probably would work really great on the Hunger Games. Oh, probably. Yeah, it's like a beacon. Oh, there he is. Yeah, we can find him. <laughs> probably counterintuitive because I probably get shot first or something, right? I would, um, I would shoot. Yeah. The, the, I would shoot you first. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, for everybody listening, a little bit of background on how we got Marty on the podcast. Uh, we've had Nick Sorrell on here quite some time ago for his first of his two appearances. And so he mentioned after the fact that I should get you on there because he think he was working with you a little bit uh, with your business. And then <laughs> Brian Cron turned around and he mentioned you as well. So you and Brian are really tight and do a lot of stuff together down in Calgary. So we've had Brian on a couple times as well. We're going to get him back in the very near future. And kept hearing your name. And then I saw you. You were the MC at Muscle Beach here in Edmonton. Ooh, God, a year and a half ago. Like, well, yeah, like a year and a quarter ago, one of my guys, I had a guy on stage. I never do contest prep stuff. It's not my thing. But mm-hmm. so you're there. I'm like, who's this guy? This like big broad shouldered suit and this spiky blonde hair. And then <laughs> it all sort of 
started coming together as other people mentioned you. And then I realized you've got quite a reputation for uh, working in the bodybuilding world, but really going, you know, with the evidence-based side. And I guess saying evidence-based is almost this cliche thing now that people are almost afraid to say because people like, well, show me the studies or it isn't true or that kind of bullshit. But right now we're seeing more and more of the competition coaches becoming more evidence-based, breaking away from just the quote, the way it's always been done type of mentality in the bodybuilding industry. Mm-hmm. So what are you, one of the things we want to ask you about is what do you think those, the advantages those coaches have, the ones that are starting to get with the evidence side of stuff. And where do you see the competitive industry trending with this? The advantage flat out will be that they actually know what the hell is happening versus they're just starving clients and putting them on stage, right? Like I remember there was a was a probably one of the best compliments I got years ago when someone said, oh, what was the difference between this coach and Marty? It's like, well, Marty actually knows what's happening versus just putting someone on fish and asparagus, right? So that'll be – so like if things go wrong – Let's say like as in someone's not uh, losing fat as fast or gaining muscle as fast as they should be. They can take and take a look at it from a practical application and not just guess something and throw in an exercise or food. They can say, okay, this is how much micronutrients they're having. This is how many macronutrients they're having. This is where like you can put things into chronometer, which will tell you all of electrolyte levels. And you know, just just you'll have more potential we'll say uh, ways to make it work better versus just, yeah, like you said, I like, I like how you said the, the way it's always been done because there was such a classic mantra. I, I bet you that would be an entire podcast in itself would be what are some of the things you've heard or methods you've heard that just have no basis at all other than why they work. Like for instance, people still, you'll hear that white fish will thin the skin. Of course, everyone's heard that <laughs> ridiculous thing. But, and people are like, okay, well, like, yeah, like white fish is the ticket versus chicken. It's like, well, no, there's just no fat in white fish. That's why. And then they, oh, and you see like light bulbs go off, but it's like, okay, so I don't actually have to rub the tilapia on my skin. No, you don't. <laughs> so where, where I'm seeing it kind of going in, in the industry then for that is just we're going to have people showing up, hopefully not quite as, uh, we'll say, dead on stage. They'll be, they'll, they'll, we'll, hopefully we'll see a lack of rebounds. Like Again, that's more of the emotional and uh, mental process than it is just the physical. But even so, uh, that's I, I will, I'll take that a little bit different angle too, is that I think coaches are at least attempting to study psychology a bit more, which that's that's the key. If anyone wants to know my big-ass secret is, is that, is that I go – way in on that stuff my assessments for my clients if yeah hi girls i know you i know hell out of you with the assessments but <laughs> i ask enough questions about like their sleep about how their days are going because th- th- that i don't want to go too far off here on you guys but like if, if everything physically is going good but like your stress levels because you just got fired from work or you're not having a good time in your romantic relationship or, pl- or platonic but you will not see results and i think that that people are starting to come around to that that it's not just the physical side as well Dude, like, no, go as far as you want down there. The best stuff that we've ever got on this podcast is when someone goes completely off the rails <laughs> into some territory that we weren't expecting. Well, so. well and I think a lot of a lot of our guests have had that same, not, not the same um, similarities, but they, they've kind of all talked about psychology in some form or facet in terms of mm-hmm. being relevant now, and that's something that probably wasn't looked at too long ago. Like, it's it almost seems like it's new, even though it shouldn't be. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Like, and, and even like I, I, we, we just did a podcast to Austin and I called on the mindset and that word is, is cool, but it kind of, it's kind of like motivation. It runs out. So I've been calling 
things like uh, I don't have, don't have a better word for it other than heart set yet or emotional set because everyone talks about you know this this mental thing. It's a mindset. You need this mindset for prep. You need this mindset for off season. Like okay, mindset will end. It's 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 why they call it emotional eating and not mental eating. So why people don't dive into that more and go okay maybe we should be looking at people's emotional states. It's like I think this, I think that. It's like okay, how do you feel? And most people will get put back in their asses when you when you say that they'll go i don't know okay well, well when you were mad what was that was that what happened what happened beforehand what were you not what were you doing what were you feeling because as soon as you take the thinking part out of it people start go holy shit okay i was i was feeling sad i was feeling down okay go further than that okay well i was feeling frustrated so then if you know that frustration causes you to eat pow but i suppose they were just always at the superstore and then ate well okay what was the emotion behind that so the, the psychology, they know that, but I'll, I'll say that the mindset will end too. If you have like, we'll say the prep mindset, but then the prep ends. Well, then what do you know what your off season mindset should just flip towards? Like it was great, Andrew, when we heard Eric say you should start talking before the contest about what are you going to be pre- prepared for uh, the off season yep. because you, just, you need to have those chats. And that's still one thing I'll say that lacks so much. I, I like I have still have that on my Instagram story is just the lack of coaching after the shows. Like if we, if, if they don't win, I've even seen people win. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, I had a girl that won, I think it was the natural CPA show here and coach left her high and dry. Just, I was like, this is a, like, a, I've, I've seen of course more people that didn't win or didn't place well. They're just dropped to the side. Cause now there's no money for them. Right. Which that's shit bag coaching, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. even a winner, it's just like, there's no, not enough of that care there. So I'm hope hopefully there's enough coaches out there now that the C is there that people can start seeing that, oh, wow, there are coaches that include post-show care that don't, aren't going to say on the day of the show, oh, by the way, it's another $500 for me to give you the plan for after the show. It's like, that. come on now. That's not coaching. That's just robbery. That's nuts. I mean, I actually, like, I can't even believe this is the way the industry was. And I've, I've gone to yeah. war with at least a couple of coaches about this kind of bullshit. Just treating the clients <coughs> poorly. Loading, and we know this fucking shit happens, but like loading girls up on drugs instead of actually getting nutrition right. And we're, we're talking about bikini girls here and pumping them full of drugs. We know that that shit is part of that world. I don't want to go too far down there, but they get their their minds get all messed up because the coaches really just give here's your plan, here's your food. You know, you're allowed to have three meals of like tilapia and broccoli, like you said, and you're now allowed to smell a teaspoon full of peanut butter and yeah. if they're not getting lean enough they're not allowed to smell the peanut butter anymore but what's really happening is they're binging on the fucking peanut butter and the coach is telling them suck it up and deal with it uh you gotta suffer when i see coaches talking about oh you have to suffer because that's the way bodybuilding is i see that crap from coaches on facebook and i'm just like you guys don't get it you don't belong in this industry you don't deserve clients then like you said competition's over Okay, I've done what I've, I've been paid for. That's it. And these coaches wonder, almost every bikini competitor I've ever met, almost, shit talks their coaches. Half mm-hmm. of the men's seat guys shit talk their coaches. And then mm-hmm. they go back and they hire them again after a cycle with someone else. The coaches who don't get shit talked are the coaches who do what you're doing and care for them post-show. You care for someone post-show, guess what? It's a fucking great retention tool to actually maintain clientele over time. And you wonder why some of these coaches, some of them are not all, but like there's a couple of IFBB pro ones who think having that title now gives them the honor to do whatever the fuck they want. Or just <laughs> some of the old dinosaurs that need to disappear from this industry. And they're wondering why they're struggling to bring in the new generation of clients as 
traders get online, people like you are out there with broader appeal. And I'm really enjoying watching some of these people just go the way of the dinosaur because that's what they are. They're dinosaurs with this archaic mindset that isn't caring for people. Well, no, it's just it's that, it's that whole idea of if you don't use your brain, like, why would you leave them at their craziest? <laughs> Even if you look at, like, oh. the, the signs of it, like, they're actually going to be fucked then. They're going to hate you. Some oh, of them are, it's, some of, it's too funny. Some of them are actually screwing these girls up big time. And I've worked with a few people who I really spent my time unfucking what was going on inside their mind, yeah. <laughs> you know, after some trash coach went and messed them up. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there, there is some stuff there that can be linked to hormones or whatever post show in terms of natural right. hormones or whatever. Like we'll say, but but it is it's it's never the it's very rarely the physical stuff, right? Because yeah. even if you had a plan after the show, it's like it's like you said you have to unfuck the mind and you have to unfuck the heart because having a plan <laughs> if it was that simple, people just go to bodybuilding.com, get a plan, and then they're great. Yeah. However, follow that plan. Good luck with that, especially like you said, you're leaving them at that their weakest fucking point. And now, and now, now you're like, okay, mentally, good, dude, yeah, yeah like, it, it's just terrible to see. And uh, I remember uh, so when I when I met Nick uh, Sorrell in person, I also met Mike Dola of Stronger You, and he, 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 Nick was just smiling. He's like, you, you wait till you meet Mike. And I, he's like, <laughs> what, 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 what's your what's your superpower? Like, what do you do? And he said, customer service. I said, me too, man. Because like, I didn't. He's, he he kind of had a similar story to me in a sense of uh, marketing where he didn't ha- he didn't have an email list i still don't use one which is I'm, I'm an idiot for not doing it but it's like well how do you have clients it's like you just just fucking care for your clients man and then they will tell other people and it will go from there like you said if there's enough people uh shit talking or whatever it will get around especially here in alberta let alone i was in i was maybe one of two or three people in red deer and if you you, you fuck over enough people that you're done like it's not like online where if you have this master market system that you can just have like a revolving door of clients but every and then you see that too uh people focusing really hard on like getting new clients getting new clients i'm like how about you just keep the ones you have and make and have them get great results and then you'll have clients for years so and, and like you said there andrew it's like it's it's never people will, will forget kind of what you did for them in a sense of if you put them on stage and get them in first place but they'll never forget how you made them feel so even if you put them in first place and then you, you all of a sudden you're a bad coach afterwards, that's when you start getting the shit talking. But if you if they if you make them feel great, they, they, they probably a won't say anything bad or b they'll stay with you. Well, let's actually skip ahead because uh, Dean and I, anyone listens, we tend to alternate questions. But I want to get to my next one first, and it talks about your bio because it ties in what you're just saying. Your bio <clears throat> totally reads like my core philosophy when it comes to approaching and training. And you said, quote, some trainers subtly instill dependency in their clients. My job is the opposite, to to empower clients with knowledge, strategies, behavior that they can take with them beyond our time together. So I wanted you to elaborate on that. You know, I feel like that's an abundance mindset, but it goes to what you were just talking about. Well, yeah, it's I, I like that song. I, I I try to you know sing to my clients right and say I want I, I I want you to want me. I don't need you to need me because that's just that's just not not how it should be. Like, and everyone gets kind of scared of that where they want to kind of keep them on the hook in a sense of the the coach will say do this because I said so or whatever kind of. Re- I still hear that all the time without any kind of explanation. But if you give them the tools, kind of like I said there, and then they can do it on their own. Not, not only will will like if they leave you in a good way, like that's awesome. Then someone's walking around, and go, wow, how did you learn how to do that? And and then hopefully they'll they'll give myself or whoever else is coaching them at the time I like the credit for it. But like the, 
to keep people needing you, it's just so wild. I, I, I remember first learning about that from Scott Abel way back in the day. It's like he's, you need to be a guiding light. And it's like as soon as you get to the destination, it's cool. So for bodybuilders, like even myself, I've used lots and lots of coaches and I'll keep using them still because I want to further my knowledge. That's kind of what it is for me. But the the it's it, it's just so hard to to see people that when, when, when they're done with, with a coach or whatever, then they literally know nothing. The amount of, uh, what do you call it, client intakes I'll get that'll have, what did you, I, I like to ask, what did you learn or what was, how was your previous coaching experiences? And some people say, I have no idea how to eat. And I'm like, how could you not have any idea how to eat? But yet you've either done a show, you've had previous coaches, but there's no, there's no explanation behind it at all. But I will also give a little bit of a different spin on that too, that that coaching relationship is not the same as a mentor relationship. Because there's some people that will hire you that want to be told everything. And the, one of the best examples I was given was, a, as a, let's say, a professional hockey team. If, if a coach makes a call for a power play, the, the defenseman doesn't say, coach, can you explain to me why what, you made that call? It's like, okay, you're benched. I'm putting someone else in. Because you're, they're not being coached to be a coach. They're, being, they're, being, uh, they're not being mentored, sorry. They're being coached. But you still need to give enough tools that they believe in three things, which is themselves, the plan, and the coach. If, if they don't believe in like, – if one of those three things starts wavering, it's got to come back or else they will fail and so for, therefore so will the coach. So your, go ahead. I was going to say with your analogy with the hockey player, it's a difference between all right, going out and telling the hockey player what to do in this exact situation he executes or coaching the hockey player to know how to handle uh, all kinds of other situations so that way when the play gets broken or something just crazy happens, that hockey player is really effective no matter what's coming at him on the ice – Versus a guy who quite literally can only follow direct instructions. The moment that the other uh, fuck, the other team grabs the puck and skates down the other end, the defense is like, well, what the fuck do I do now? So mm-hmm. one of the things that I like to say that mirrors what you're saying is I tell my clients, I'm trying to train myself out of a job. Yeah. I want to make them so functionally independent while they're working with me that I, I like to actually see you because I'm primarily a personal trainer in person. That mm-hmm. I can see them... Less frequently, I can work with more people. My schedule is actually more stable because, you know, that time when someone finishes up, circumstance changes, they move away. I, I don't have one of my people who's like five times a week all of a sudden gone. I'm like, shit, what do I do? I just lost 20 sessions a month. Instead, someone finishes up, I'm down four sessions a month. It's easy because I've got this massive referral, referral pipeline that I've been working on for years because I'm always talking to my clientele about their experience and telling them, hey, I want to meet that person in January, who starts talking about joining the gym, because the last fucking thing in the world I want them to do is, you know, impulsively walking into a gym that I have a bad relationship with, who are like literally fucking with me and my friends right now. I won't get into specifics on that one, but there's some big shit going down. Or some other place where they're going to get sold by a salesperson who's probably not going to be there in three months, who's going to collect a commission. They're assigned Mm -hmm. to a personal trainer who's probably freshly minted from a certification who might care and might actually be okay or might be really unqualified because there's plenty of that. And then that person may not have a great experience. I actually want to meet that person first. I want to sit down with them and actually give them an awesome experience and give them the the tools to be a completely independent person. And I, I still don't get trainers who are so scared of giving their clients any kind of tangible knowledge so that way they could function on their own. Giving them that independence is going to get better results. You're simply just going to be more successful as a coach. Anyway, and rant. 
that, that that's being that's being more more financial driven than it is per person driven. Yeah. That that's one hundred percent what it is. Which which is funny, still wrong. super funny. With that they don't see that if you were to just give them the tools, then you, the income will come. You can charge more. Then you can start calling yourself a coach versus a trainer. Uh, one of the things that I've been saying for a while that a trainer does things for someone, a coach does things with someone. And I think everyone should really in the, in the, we'll say the fitness game, want to be a coach versus a trainer, because then, then you can, you can actually, like you said, have them become uh, autonomous and become independent because having anyone be dependent upon you, I like, it's like, it's, it's just like, I got my cat. That's the only person I need being dependent upon me. And that's it. And outside of that, it, it just shouldn't be that way. It's just, it's not being, we'll say good people. And like you said, it, that someone will go in, and hopeful and, and unfortunately probably not want to go back to the gym again. I've had uh, some people come to me post-show that their, their coach, whatever they've left and they sign up. And then a month later, they're like, I'm sorry, Marty, I can't do it. I hate the gym so much now. I don't want to go back anymore. And that that's the worst. And, and I think Eric Helms was talking about that too, that though these people will get so caught up in the, the trophies or the first place that they'll forget why they even loved fucking going. And, and that was hopefully to feel better, to not, not like to look better, to be more healthy, whatever you pick it. But and, and if coaches are robbing people of that, oh man, that's, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm going to stop there because I will, the F-bombs will come out everywhere. <laughs> oh man, you can swear out here. Don't worry yes, about that say, shit. You can say, oh, I'll just, that, that's the entire sentence will just be, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, yeah, just be. <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about hockey yeah. more. Yeah, you know, I'm Edmonton I know Calgary. about hockey now. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> Okay, let's let's you, you want to switch we can switch gears though so let's go back to the first one we had which is kind of a unique story but something i think people have experienced but you recently had a surgery so an umbilical hernia i believe mm-hmm. yep 10 11 days ago now yep. yeah so we'll say an injury or surgery H- how do you deal with taking time out from workouts and can you offer some guidance i guess to our listeners on the perspective for anyone needing time away from the gym due to illness or injury or surgery or whatever the fuck is not only yes, listen to your doctor because I was told the whole stay out for six weeks, don't lift anything more than ten pounds. Is that I've seen way too many times people push that yeah. to the like not even pushing the envelope, but just push it like if it's if I was told don't lift more than ten pounds and then they lift twelve, that opportunity is there. Like I, I put it on my Facebook, like I sneezed and it felt I, I looked down to see if someone had stabbed me and something had ripped back open because it hurt <laughs> so much. I, and, and like I, I'm, I don't think I'm the, the the biggest little bitch out there, but I was like this is incredible. Like and I was talking to Brian, he said the same thing because always the things that you would not think are gonna hurt hurt the most, but then they'll, they'll recover. But he wasn't kidding. I, I couldn't believe how much it kind of laid me up, but. The, the the what what to do for the any kind of like it, the, you need to realize what the difference is between an injury and then like a, a surgery or just being hurt. There's a difference between injured and hurt. Hurt is of course like when you get smacked and you have a bruise on the arm, cool. But if you are injured and you can't do something, you will exacerbate it every single time. I've seen it. I haven't seen someone go into the gym early or into whatever their fitness program is early and say, yes, this made a huge difference in terms of like I was able to recover quicker. No. And it's just like being sick. It's exactly think of it as being sick. If you are sick and you go to the gym and work out, your body is no longer putting resources towards recovering the muscle and it's it's putting it towards the sickness. Now you're trying to rob that the, the let's say the money away from building the 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 sickness uh, bank account or whatever. It's just so dumb. People don't see it that way. They think it's just like um sweating out a cold or whatever. It's like, no, no, that means in a bed wrapped up like Jesus swaddled in inside of a cradle. Sweating it out, not sweating it out on the treadmill it makes no sense. You burn 7%, at least I think it's 7 to 9% more calories when you're sick, but now you're going to go do cardio too, which is going to make you more sick. I fucking retarded. I don't get it, but well, just, just coach, stay, stay out of the damn gym. But my Give coach, my coach ruined my program. It's five days a week, and if I don't get five days, like I'm fucked. 
oh my god yeah but then they'll go in they'll do some more sick now you're going to make other people sick too so imagine if you were injured and you could go into the gym and you just by being there you were injuring other people <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just just stay out like you give yourself ample time and then uh, don't use your own friggin brain to 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 qualify yourself for that get get the well, either that will say the surgeon, the doctors say, okay, am I good to go? Not just, oh, I feel okay today. It only hurts when I do this, this movement, and this movement, and this movement. So I should be good. Oh, my God. Do you, do you think it goes back? And I'm, I'm going to guess the answer is yes. But like, how, how much does the psychology of like them needing lifting so much for their life to be awesome that has to do with that? Like, it's almost like when the people are injured, their whole lives taken away. So they find a way to get that back. And it's probably the wrong way to get what they want. <laughs> On my new client intake, it says, what are your hobbies? And if they have the gym yeah. and that's it, I get a little bit nervous because exactly <laughs> like you said, if, if, yeah. if they get injured, they get hurt or they're put somewhere where there's no gym or whatever, the, the, they, they can psychologically destroy themselves or like or then when the, we'll say the gym returns, they'll hurt themselves again or they'll go back on in. Like if, if like I know after the six week layoff, I'm going to go in with maybe 50 percent of my weights. And that's and that's not even just on abs. That's going to be on legs, on shoulders, because my doms will be outrageous. But then um, it, it's it's gonna probably put me to a point where I'd just be ineffective again. So, but like you said, the, the psychology that that like I have so much of that, and it's not just with men, which is which is wild to me. But the girls that if they don't like if their self worth is is tied to their their workout, if they don't work out that, that day, life life is over, the day is over, and it, it, yeah, I get it. It's it's probably one of the best forms of therapy we have out there is to go work out or whatever. But being able to retrain your brain and your heart to, to go, okay, I need this time off or I, I won't be able to go again. Like it's the whole one step back to go four steps forward, but it, it's completely tied being to the, to the psychology completely. I think an important thing to recognize here is it's, it's become such a, a core part of someone's identity. Yep. Um, this is definitely the case when it comes to pro athletes. A lot of the time where, you know, you get a pro athlete and, they retire and all of a sudden like that was their life. That was their entire identity. And now they do a depression because, or same thing happens when they have a major injury and they're no longer playing for, you know, half a year, a year or more. This is some big stuff. And I think it's really important for everyday people. It basically just parroting what you're saying to be aware of this, just in case they ever deal with an injury or they're sick, especially if it's something that goes on a little longer. I think especially if you're working with a good physiotherapist, you can find ways to be in that environment and still do things and work around stuff and train. But yeah, I, I don't even know if I have necessarily an answer, but like what you said is just, what do you tell having them? more? I was, yeah. I was gonna say, what, is, what do you tell them? So you see they have like one hobby and it's the gym and I want to work out with you. Like what, what's, what's the next step in your kind of repertoire? What's my next step for what story? For like um, getting them to have a better strategy. For doing shit. Oh, it, it, did you have to for like outside of the gym type yeah. of thing? It's just like just really like what do you like to do or what did you like to do as a kid? Like, did you used to be on the swim team and now you're like, I know that's still physical activity, but like, did you used to read? Did you used to play in a chess club? Did you used to play guitar? Find something because like guitar is a perfect example. If you're injured, well, as long as it's not your arms, you know what I mean. You can do you can do that, or if you don't have access to a gym, you can do that. It is. It's trying to dig around and find like friend circle, social circle, because as I'm sure you're aware, bodybuilding especially is a very independent and can be very antisocial. Even with there is social media, it's it's antisocial media in a sense, right? So having a, a friend circle that is not just entirely in the gym, like and like I, I love that. I love I love that I have like uh, friends that don't even set foot in the gym. Good because it gives me something else to do outside of just the gym. 
because yeah, it's just kind of leading them to that. It's it's just uh, I think even like I know I've referenced Eric Helms too many times now, oh, Eric you bastard. But but on. it's just like I think it was like called emotional questioning or something like that. Like as in just getting to the root of the problem, just asking them enough questions. What did you like to do? What could you potentially do? Is there something new around you you could do for sure? Speaking of Eric, we've actually confirmed uh, we booked time with him because when you and I first met, Eric was one of the presenters at uh, this event. Uh, Martin McDonald, Sophie Lee, and uh, Spencer Adolski were all there. And Eric was great. Like, holy shit, he was just the stuff he was saying that you referenced about just the psychology side of stuff and how much he's grown as a coach, which is some of the stuff we'll ask him about, it is really super. So if anyone here isn't familiar with Eric yet, actually, it'd be a good idea just to, to check him out and to follow him because mm-hmm. he's a profoundly influential person, both on the technical side of nutrition, but also just on, on broader thinking. And uh, yeah, so we'll have him, unless barring something like, catastrophic we'll have them on the podcast i've mentioned names before it's like okay well this person said they'll be there and then scheduling just became a real nightmare and and they haven't appeared or in a couple of i won't say names but there's one case where we actually had someone and we talked about it and then some major shit went down and we decided it was really not a good idea to ever air that person on air so we left that one alone Uh, but uh, eric's gonna be really great and you're right he's he's just a, a super influence I, I saw him, I think this February will be three years ago. It was in Regina. As soon as I saw that, it was him, uh, what do you call it, uh, Alan, and also Brett Contreras. And, and Nick Nick T was supposed to be there too, but he ended up actually canceling. So uh, we, I think Eric just gave a second presentation. But anyway, I had a chance to, that was my first chance to meet him. I was like basically fanboying hard. But just even then, so, but it was so cool to see, I don't want to go too far off on him, but just, just because he had such a different talk this time versus last time, and even just to get a chance to ask him his coaching style, because I don't think that info is out there enough, is how to actually coach. There's, a, there's, there's a, like you said, a, abundance of nutrition information, uh, uh, too much, actually, because now you're getting like people saying keto, keto, people saying carb, carb, anyway. Then there's enough training info too, but there's not enough on how to be an actual coach. And Eric, if, if he were to ever give more talks on that, I think he would just keep winning because I learned so much about him. He's like, just check how to check in on your clients. And one of the key things was when, when people will write you, let's say either by email or on your assessments or whatever, and they'll say, I'm doing great. But if you get them over Skype and there's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great, where that's huge because they can write they're doing great because they want to appease you as a coacher. But you, if you see them in person and they're dying, just like you as a personal trainer, Andrew, you can tell if someone's not up to their game because they're in front of you. <laughs> yep. Whereas that, that, that's one of the harder things being an online coach is, is getting them to be honest with you, right? And I'm, like what, what I like to do is just trust them infallibly in terms of don't don't point the finger at them and say, like, are you cheating on your diet? Just believe them infallibly and then you'll build that trust with that. But yeah. Eric's got the coaching model down, I think, pretty much pat now. And the good thing about that is, is you mentioned it too, is that he's talking about coaching because there's a lot of information out there. Like, it's not that hard to find. Well, I say that, but there's a lot of science evidence out there, and we could do this thing. It's pretty fucking simple at this point in terms of what they're putting Mm -hmm. out there, but it's not easy to be a coach. Like, you can't have a scientific study on the perfect method for being a coach. And hearing experience from guys like that who've been doing it, that's what's going to take the next generation in. Because everyone thinks they can fucking do this right now because everything's so readily available and they couldn't be further from the truth because, like, the information's there but, like, has nothing to do with the actual end product. Mm -hmm. Something that I, um, anyone who's listening to this podcast at all will know that we we talk a lot about people in the industry. Um, Obviously, Dean and I are the hosts, but... We've really made this about our guest each time we bring a guest in. And we, we talk about our previous guests or other great people in the industry because I would like to, for anyone who's listening to find the best resources for them and not just follow me on my social media alone, 
taking what I say as gospel. If I was coming at this from a very egocentric lens, what we just talk about ourselves constantly and be like, hey, this week on my blog or this week on my Instagram, I did this. Dean did this. Dean benched 440 in competition, which you did yeah, a while ago. Which yeah, is I cool. did. But uh, a point I want to make is you're talking about coaching a lot. One of the best people doing a lot of good work on pure coaching right now is getting Brett Bartholomew. I think a lot of people know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an awesome dude to talk to. Really, really cool, humble guy. Uh, his book, Conscious Coaching, is actually probably one of the best pieces of work in our industry on this sort of thing. So if anybody's really interested in stuff like that, you know, probably dive into that. And, and I've talked to Brett and I'm trying to find, I'm trying to get him on here. So he's agreed mm-hmm. to do it. Just haven't been able to like match up and get schedule going. So hopefully that'll happen in the future. That'd be fantastic. I think that's a good idea. Yep. I saw him on the plane on the, in the way to Kansas. He was sitting first class. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wasn't awesome. able to afford first class, but he's clearly doing well enough to get first class. So we need to get Yeah, get in first class. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I think I tagged him on Instagram. I'm like, it must be nice up there. He's like, you should take yeah, a picture. Yeah, just take a picture. You sit in the back of his head, like tag him in it. Be like, there he is. He's like, he's there, like, way you, up there. You should have talked to me. I'm like, man, you're in first class. It's blocked off. <laughs> like, yeah, security would have bum rushed me if I yeah. tried. That's right. Fuck, where were we going with this? We went off of, like, we basically just fanboyed on Eric Helms for like, there's nothing wrong with that. Eric Helms not for not enough time. That's what happened. He's not literally enough. gonna listen. He, he's gonna probably listen to this. Like, oh, I, I'm gonna prep for this and like see what these guys are about. It's just us being really creepy about him. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> well, we could go back to Barty and his work with. Uh, well, I, yeah, like we. It, this is actually kind of where we we did want to go. So, like, we had a bunch of questions about you and some of this stuff, but we also wanted to dive into your mind about uh, coaching wise, and especially you've worked with a lot of women, and this can apply yes. to men as well, but you see a lot of people drawn to competing for the wrong reasons. So this is kind of where we can pick your brain. What are some, what are some BS poor reasons to get on stage and what happens when someone does this for the right reason? And, and I guess what happens on the other end when they do it for the wrong reason? That- yeah, that's, it's, it's a wonderful question. And, and I, I will, f- will first start by saying that I've probably turned more people away from competing than I've turned people towards competing. And it's because I see too many signs of the wrong reasons, which are they want to make money at it. If you want to make money as a we'll <laughs> say bodybuilder, that's one, that's one thing. But as a girl, like I think the, the, the back when they had the female Miss Olympia, like Iris Kyle, it, it was $50,000 for the highest echelon. Whereas I think Mr. Olympia was 400,000. So Financially, is, is not going to be there. Be a, be a model. Do something else for sure. If, if the other wrong reason is if you're trying to find happiness. Like, I know it sounds so ass backwards, but it, it won't work. Like, there's a really good meme of a picture of someone that's bigger. Like, it's just, it's just actually just a, a, a stick drawing. It shows someone bigger standing in front of the mirror and then shows them thinner standing in front of the mirror and said, well, that, that didn't work. It's exactly because that, that's not what's going to make you happy. If you're, if you're trying to find that pure joy or pure happiness just from that, like, I've, I've retained the saying that if you are happier in like, we'll say in a joyful or at least neutral space, you will lose fat and muscle up way quicker than someone that is trying to find happiness through the gym and solely through the gym. So that's not a good one. Self-worth is another one too. It, it, like if, if you were trying to get self-worth out of competing, like if you are getting on stage and like you, you winning and now that's like, you, uh, I think you said that, that people use it too much as their identity. Like yes. that's it. Like, 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 cause like, like, like the amount of times that I've heard that like literally the day or the morning of the show saying, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this as a transformation. I'm so happy with how far I've come. And then they go out and they get second or worst place. And then it's fuck this. This is the stupidest thing ever. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, what happened? So like, and there's what I mean by mindset. So there was a mindset that was not theirs or something that they were either telling themselves into the mirror or telling social media, but yet their heart was saying, I really need to fucking win this. But, but it, it didn't happen. So that's another terrible, terrible reason to get into it too, is trying to draw just self-worth. If you have friends <laughs> who are competitors on social media and you notice that in the day after and the next week or so after a show that there's very little posting about pictures or them talking about anything, you can guarantee they didn't do as well as they wanted in the show. I've seen this numerous times. It's just, they just retreat from social media because they're super bummed out about what they were expecting. Yeah. No, you, you got it. So, so that, that's kind of the, the, the thing too, is that just then just put it, switch it around to the other way is that do it for, for, for self betterment in a sense of do it for a challenge, do it because you want to undertake something that might show you discipline. Let's say you are, you are not as OCD as some other people are with either their life or their, their regimented, this, this, I will teach you that. So uh, like I, and I'm, I'm in this industry of course, for a reason, because I want, I think that there's a lot that you can be given by competing. If you, especially if you do it right in a sense that you can get yourself structure, you can get yourself uh, good, good habits, good behaviors, obviously get more healthy if you're, if you're uh, obese or worse, but so lonely learning that. But in, another good reason to do is if you've got a gift for it, like if you're one of those guys or, or girls that you've always been lean or you've always been jacked, you were captain of the football team, you were like whatever on the swim team. And so you have a real shot at doing it, then yeah, go for it. But you have to enjoy it too. Uh, they, I'm trying to think of more of the BS reasons outside of your, your friend does it or your, your friend suggested it or for anybody else. Like if someone says you should compete, you go, okay, and then you don't like it, but now you feel obligated to it, don't, don't do it. I've seen enough uh, boyfriends try to put their girls on stage and then vice versa. And it's just don't do it for that reason because this is this is a very big endeavor. It's not your your, your 28-day booty booty blast. This is a 12 to 16 to 20-week <laughs> Wait, wade through sometimes hell in a way it's like a crusade right so that would be another one of the bs reasons to do it but so what happens when you do it with the wrong reasons oh man like i like i gave that example of the couple clients that after the show they have they're lost um i'll use an example too where i was kind of pseudo coaching in ifbb pro here in calgary and and, and when she was when she didn't start winning at the pro level it, she was lost like it was like there was no identity there so that that would be that would be what happens to it. And that and that's hard to try to come back from something. Like you said, a pro athlete that is, that is did one thing they were, I don't want to call them a one trick pony, but they were like a one event or a one, one sport pony. Then they don't even know who they are when that stops. That's, that's one of the reasons not to do it. If you don't have anything else other than this, keep, keep it fun because I've seen that the, we'll say the gym or fitness be robbed from them. It's no longer fun because they now tie it with the endless cardio. They now tie it with the, the tilapia and the skin thinning. And now they're not happy with it anymore. They can't go back in uh-huh. and work out just for their enjoyment because it releases endorphins because of this. So that's, yeah, it's a scary thing to see. They had a movie about that. It's called uh, Zoolander. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, yep. if you actually think about it, it's like that one moment he's like, who am I? But like, same, yep. what did he end up doing? How did he fix it? Sorry, totally I, off topic. I, 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 haven't, I haven't seen that movie. I forget what he did. Oh, didn't, didn't he put like a foundation for children? Yeah, or something he, found, like he found something yeah. else. To, there we go. Yep. See, that's a great, but that's exactly what they got to do. They got to find something. Because like you said, if that relationship is pretty tarnished at that point, like the gym would be horrible if it's just fish and treadmills. Like that sounds mm-hmm. like so, literally hell. When you, when you describe that, like I couldn't imagine living that. Yep. Something that I think is worth mentioning too, and this is sort of a pet peeve of mine. Um, there are a lot of coaches, I find they're the ones, again, they're the types that'll put girls on, on drugs quickly 
or do some of the other slimy stuff. You get these coaches, and they're in big commercial gyms. Good Life is a big one up here, and a lot of the bodybuilding community hangs out in it. And I know coaches who they'll see young, attractive girls at the gym. They'll go up to them and be like, hey, you know, work work on talking to them. And you're like, you should compete. Yeah. If you have someone who's doing that and you are ever interested in competing, do not fucking hire that coach. Okay, first of all, that behavior is garbage. And a lot of times they'll, they'll approach it this way. Hey, you know, you should totally compete. You'd look great if you just lost, you know, some weight around your your ass. or you, And it's 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 pickup artistry. It's the same shit that these assholes do in bars where they'll pay a girl a compliment with packed within sort of a, a put down. Right. And yep. there's some psychological shit going on here, obviously. But this stuff can work. And especially if you've got a young woman and guys, I suppose this sort of could happen to. But I think it's mostly more about women in gym settings where if there are already some fairly strong insecurities and then some coach comes up to him and says, Hey, you know, you could totally compete that feeds them in a good way. But then they also play upon that insecurity. They, they do hook clients this way. And all of a sudden you're putting these girls up on stage who are not emotionally prepared for it. And we damn well know those coaches are not taking care of their psychological needs. Uh, they're the types who will abandon them after the show and they're just looking for money. And actually, quite frankly, I can think of at least a couple of coaches that I know who are really just trying to, to bang these girls and to sleep with their clients, yeah. which is pretty gross behavior. <clears throat> so if you're out there in this space and you start observing this behavior or you know people who are doing this, stay the fuck away from them. They're not the kind of people you want to deal with. If someone listening to this is thinking about hiring a coach, well, first of all, I'm going to straight up say, like, you know, contact Marty. I think that's a great idea. But, you know, I know a handful of people in this industry who I really believe in, who I think are really good at this stuff, who I would trust a female friend to or a female mm-hmm. family member if, if it came down to that sort of thing. So there are good people. I don't even know where it ended up coming from. But I, like, I think my first show that I had clients and I ended up having uh, three girls and, and one guy. And then it just kind of went from there. And then for a while, I had a, a big slew of female figure competitors and women's physique competitors. And I, I think it was just flat out that, that I was – at, like asking them how they were. I know that sounds so ridiculous, but guys, in a sense, it's just because men just don't have the same emotional IQ as women. Let's just be flat out with that, right? It's just how <laughs> how it works. But but in in, in like as a quick sidebar, if they were to be more in touch with their touchy feely stuff, they would do better at this sport, guys. I hope you listen to that, anyways. But if if, if for for girls, especially um, from. You don't see a lot of girls coaching guys. You do. Like Nicole Ball, for instance, she's a professional bodybuilder that's around Sylvan Lake here. She's coached a lot of men. However, you don't see a lot of, we'll say, bikini girl coaches coaching men. (laughs) But you'll see a lot of men, especially bodybuilders, coaching a lot of females. just kind of how it works. And there there I think is the gap there is that unless you really want to dive into, I don't want to say female psychology, but just we'll say – understanding we'll say emotions or or even the brain more that you have that that's where i think anyone will be more successful with female competitors is just being understanding of that of just we'll say anything like asking them how their life is because it, it has to be there it's not just a i, I wrote, wrote a post about it's not just a cheerleader or a drill sergeant you have to be their coach which is all-encompassing and that's a it's a word that's a little bit tarnished. It's like when people say life coach now, I get a little bit eh. But a, co- a, co- a, coach, is, a coach is not is not something to be taken lightly. Like you are literally coaching someone. Just think back to whenever you were a child and you either played a sport or you, you played something, you were a part of a club. Your coach can shape your views. Like my high school football coach, he, he said, I'm teaching, I'm not teaching you football. I'm teaching you life lessons. And holy shit, was that ever true? And like the dude taught me so much 
and I can't thank him enough. Like I love football and I learned a lot about football from him, but more that I learned about life from him was just ridiculous. Yeah. Let's, I'm, we're not, I'm not swimming in a ton of time here, so let's actually go on to this next thing I was curious about. Um, Shit, it's been what are your minutes. recent... What? Sorry, oh, I was going to say, it's been 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I just... Uh, the roads are bad here, and I will have to get into work at some point, but that's not important. What is... Uh, you've been a really good post recently. You noted undergoing a physical transformation is going to get people talking about you and talking at you mm-hmm. in good and bad ways. Mm-hmm. What do you prepare people for? What's really important in this case? Everything. And, and what I mean by that is that be, be, be prepared for everything to happen. And in terms of your family might be with you, your family might turn against you, your friends might be happy for you, your friends might start getting jealous and turn against you. The, between envy, between jealousy, uh, it, it'll it'll be there and it, will, it won't necessarily be the people that you think of. So especially for like a social media, you've got to be prepared for that. If you wanted the best example for that would be Dana Lynn Bailey. How much did she get ripped to shreds about being a, a dude? Women don't look like this. Like she had to sign off. And I remember Rob Bailey, her husband, like went off and like you guys are idiots or whatever. But you have to be you got to have a little bit of a thick skin because you are now bettering yourself. You are look, looking better or whatever you want to call it. And now people are putting you down for that. We don't talk enough about fit shaming. There's enough fat shaming stuff in the body positive movement and cool, that's there. But there is enough fit shaming too that people will hate on you, say, like, eat a sandwich or why can't you have a beer? Why can't you eat this and being made fun of? I literally just had a client in her last week's assessment here on Monday. Her family was saying, oh, come on, you you deserve it. You just do this. And then the moment she gave in, they laughed at her and made fun of her and said, we knew that you wouldn't be able to stay on your diet. (laughs) I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we have enough as it is between the media between uh, grocery store commercials, between the chocolate cake commercials. We don't need it from family and friends too. But so you have to be prepared for that. I routinely talk to my clientele. Now again, my clientele by and large are not stage competitors, mm-hmm. but people around them are going to sabotage them. And of course. You know, what you described was, was pure sabotage. It makes people extremely uncomfortable when they see someone near them making an effort to get healthier and lose weight. It makes them very aware of what they're not doing mm-hmm. about their own insecurities. And this mm-hmm. is a very prevalent and powerful effect that anyone who is going to the gym, who is trying, who's working out, is going to face. And if you're in an office space and people are bringing in the proverbial office donuts and there's food around, this is a deliberate or unin- or, or just an unintentional attempt to sabotage other people around them. because. Like I said, it makes people very uncomfortable to watch someone else make an effort when they're not. One of the easiest ways to alleviate that distress is to contribute to that person stopping doing what's making you uncomfortable. So you guys are going to experience this. Your family will do it. Your coworkers are going to fucking do it in a big, big way. So you got to be on guard against this stuff. You have to prepare yourself. It will happen. And I believe that if you simply acknowledge that this is going to happen, there's going to be donuts on that fucking table when you get into work. You can mentally make that decision now, early in the day, when you have more willpower reserve, and say, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you so got it. Just just be prepared for that. So I would also prepare them for being asked to have people uh, coach them. 
like the amount of people, hell, not only do we do we see too many competitors, let alone if they win or not. Now, all of a sudden, they turn around and be coaches just because they competed once or twice. I'm not going to get into that yet. However, I, I tell people you, you're going to you're going to have people ask you for help. And you know what? That's cool. If you want to say, oh, yeah, bananas is 30 grams of carbs or whatever. If they ask you some like we'll say generalized questions, that's cool. But I do say, please, you know, thank me, reward, reward me in a sense. Send them to me if you're going to do a contest prep. Try not to be a contest prep coach yourself unless you are outrageously qualified. But I don't even want to know what that means in today's age. But they people will ask you for fitness tips and you need to be prepared for that. And not only that, but then to go down the lewd side of things, especially to my girls, I'm like, be prepared to be hit on like crazy, either on uh, social media or in the gym or in person. If you are becoming more, we'll say, attractive to that, fit, especially in the gym and to that fitness crowd, like I'm not going to say what people think are attractive. However, if you are be becoming more attracted to the fitness crowd, be prepared for that. Be prepared for sleazy messages. Be prepared for lewdness, especially people have a thing for girls with muscle, man. It's 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 weird. You see it out there all the time. Like it's called muscle worship or something like that. And you you should be prepared for that. Be, be expected of that. And then also check the ego. You know what I mean? Guys, just because now your biceps are 18 inches and they were 15, it doesn't mean that you are now king shit. And same thing with girls, just because now you have done a couple hip thrusters and some, and some booty bands. Now you are not the mm-hmm. queen of the world. So just be prepared for that. That's a lot to take in. There's a lot for people to process. And <laughs> I know, right? They're going to see it. And, you know, any of my friends who've ever been in that sort of situation, they can tell the stories. Um, we've, we've joked about dick pics before on the podcast. I still do not understand what on earth any guy is plausibly thinking when sending something like that. That's fucking stupid. I actually think it's less about trying to get a girl to go, hey, wow, that's a really nice looking wang. So I'm going to go hang out with you. And it's more about issues of degrading and power and just love this dumb shit. So bad rabbit hole to get into, but that stuff's going to happen. But I think all women probably on social media get that crap. So I don't know if it gets, I don't think there's any metrics on whether or not fit quote, fit girls get more dick pics. Um, that's not a study that I'm hoping they ever, ever get into to figure out. I don't know out. how you'd go about that study, but I mean, like, I can theorize. I bet I bet they do, for sure. <laughs> like, Well, it's especially if, if you are more fit and you you are being more rewarded for t- taking clothes off. Yeah. Like, me, me and my girlfriend, like, uh, she, she ended up competing, uh, uh, I think it would be two years ago this February. She placed first. And of course, I always make the joke that's like a picture of me and her will get 40 likes, a picture a picture of even just her in a bikini will get 500 likes. So just yeah. I think there is a metric there that, yes, if you especially if you're going to go down the path of taking more, we'll say revealing shots, gym shots, because you feel good about yourself and you want to put that out there. Are you looking for attention or whatever? Be prepared for the attention to be more so. And that's I, all I'm going to say. I on. think it just talks to society in total. It's like you can look. I guess there's two different ways of looking at that. You can look at the hard work and. And I guess the sport that they're in, but then at the other end, people look at that and think of something totally different. I think it's just because it's not, it's big, but it's not that big yet. Does that make sense? Where people don't yes. fully understand. And I don't think males fully understand. They just think everyone's models are trying to like put that out there. And there's a bunch of old, old boy shit. So, I mean, they just oh, yeah. don't even, I don't even think they get it. They're just like, oh yeah, they're, they're in a bikini. Yeah. They want my dick pic. Sure. So here's the here's the best example I have of that is that I put an ad on Instagram. I think I put two ads on Instagram where I paid for it once, and one was a, a picture of three of my girls from behind, like showing like with their their, their glutes like in the, in their swimsuits. And I was like, okay, this this I'll, I'll put this out there. I'll, I'll put up the demographic and say for women so that they can see that here's some girls that have in shape. And I clicked on the metric. It was 83 percent of the likes, which we got to 900. Probably the biggest one of the biggest likes I had 900. And I think 83 percent was guys, <laughs> and the other was girls. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, I didn't even think about that because I was like, why? Are 
other people are going to come here to look at it. They're just looking at the asses. They're not looking, oh, that guy's going to be a great coach. It's like, fuck, you're an idiot. So that was like last year. So here I am, guys, 10 years in the fucking game and still making idiot posts. Okay, awesome. It's just funny because like literally there's probably a bunch of women who are just like, what? look at this fucking dick. Oh, totally. They probably turned more girls off. Like, I'm never hiring that fuckbag. Like, oh, thank you. Like, he just cares about tits and ass, and you're like, no, this is, like, a great shot of my athletes. Like, I, I love them to death, and, like, yeah, okay, creep. Yeah, that's just with a head in my hands. I'm like, man, should I just delete it? Do a what? Just don't look at the metrics anymore, Marty. Move on. Move on. Yeah. Just don't, don't look at them. You know what? That's a great piece of advice for our listeners. You know what? So oh, just don't do look not, at the metrics. Oh, glute shot. If you want competitors, I don't know. Just do something else. Just it didn't work, oh, boys and girls. It didn't work. <laughs> Did you get any dick pics from that? I, I have yet, no. I have yet to receive okay. more. Like, why do you think I don't put up a lot of pictures of myself? Because I, I do not want it. I've got no. I'm not homophobic by any stretch, but I am. Not, I don't want to put that. I, out. I, I, I would I, love see, to know that. See, that's I'd what I mean. Know the metrics on that. The guys would, that put pictures up of their shirt lists or whatever and say, "Do you get?" dick pics from guy bet you they do <laughs> i wasn't even thinking about that so that's how fucked up yep. this whole thing is i was like no if you post a picture of a chick they won't even read the caption or the name they'll just be like dick pic so i guess yeah because yeah, like you know I, I do know funny enough i know another competitor named marty and she's a girl marty and it's like so there you go won't even even if they read the name they don't have to read the name you just see the picture like yeah. you said and before you know it i'm getting some interesting um other message requests we'll say <laughs> <laughs> sorry this is way too funny uh, we're going to go to the next one. Came for the coaching and you stayed for the humor. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> well, we know that we're bringing you back. What's his Instagram? Sure. We'll get his Instagram and be like, Dude and I have actually been like just stifling laughter in the background, right? Just like, it's like Brian Braun. All the Canadians are so much, so much fun. Like Brian just talked about like jerking off at the semen clinics. For, we literally talked about it for 20 minutes and I don't even know why we got on there, but Brian was like, no, listen, like these are the high end ones in New York. We're like, Jesus. <laughs> Yep, and he's got stories for days, man. I love talking to him, yep. Okay, what can personal trainers learn from successful bodybuilding coaches? And what are some practices, the considerations for fat loss success? That's the normal question. Well, so, hold on, hold on, pause for a second. Pause for a second. We're pausing. Pause, pause for a second. Pause. Okay, so Dean is almost like a Will Ferrell's character on Anchorman. He'll occasionally read something through. Uh, like whatever I write, but every once in a while he bundles a word, so I'm calling you out on this. <laughs> what did I mess up? You said practice considerations. So, what are some practical considerations for fat loss success? Oh, I'm totally yeah. anchor bad for sure. Like anyone who's listening to this, like fucking reading right off of it. Like we're not the Joe Rogan show. Yeah, exactly. That's no problem at all. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, what can personal trainers learn from uh, bodybuilding coaches? Is 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 that um, discipline? would be one of the biggest things just because uh, and, and that if they look hopefully if like i know people probably don't do this they just see the end result but it, like i would love it if especially if pro bodybuilders would put up photos or, or pro bikini girls whatever put up like weekly photos like these like how how we would get progress photos i'd love if they put them up because they because why because then this is teaching the general population that it doesn't take a fucking week to do this it's not a 28 day booty booty blast it's not a 21 day ab workout this is a 12 to 16 to 20 week process it doesn't happen overnight so they'll they'll say holy shit 
Okay, this is not lightning fast thing because how how like I, I remember there was a Saturday Night Live ad. It was like eight minute abs, seven minute abs, and they were like, "This is three and a half minute abs. We're gonna give you everything that those seven minute guys get in another four minutes back." And it's like, "Cause that's so hilarious, right? Seven minute ad, get the fuck out of here." But <laughs> however, that that that's what I think that you can learn from bodybuilding, especially is that fat loss is not a miracle overnight. Uh, that would be one of the biggest things and in a backhanded way they can learn about rebounds because there is more girls putting out there uh, saying about how like their, their story saying, Hey, I was fucked mentally. This I binged. I was this, they're being more aware now. They're not blaming it solely on the plan. They're saying, okay, it was a bit of me. Maybe it was a bit of the coach, but the, but they, but they, but people can learn that the general population can learn that it, you will have moments of falling off. Like even these, these great wondrous bodybuilders, bikini girls do fall off their pedestals and that's Okay. Now, there is a difference between being vulnerable and then just being an asshole, but like in, in, like in terms of you're not just putting out there saying, woe is me, but it's just being real with people. I hate that enough of the online social media influencers are saying, Auth- authentic, uh, be authentic, be authentic, be authentic. Well, okay, don't also put up only the good authentic stuff that says you're so grateful for being alive and you live through gratitude. No, no, tell about when you've been an asshole. Tell about when you've fallen off plan. Tell about that stuff too, because that's now being authentic. Just like if I were to say that, oh, you know, my hernia surgery was great and I have I've been in, in the gym already banging out. No, I haven't been in the gym. And no, I don't like that I haven't been going to the gym. And it fucking sucks. I'm not going to be Captain Positivity and say, I've been spending this time learning more about my life and I've been cleaning up my finances and now my cat got to shave. And like, no, get out of here. Like, so, yeah, so pe- people can learn that, 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 you know, that you do need some body fat to gain muscle too, that these people aren't always ripped in shape year round and it isn't overnight. That, that would probably be the biggest things if you're looking just purely at successful bodybuilding coaches. But also, uh, I didn't even think about this, didn't even write this down before I had these questions, is that they could learn that it's they're not gods. You know what I mean? Yeah. That bodybuilding coaches can fuck up too. Some of there's not they're not the greatest thing on the planet either. Uh, just yeah, like as in there, there, there are some great coaches that aren't necessarily bodybuilders. As I'm sure you're aware, Stronger U's got them. Yeah. Uh, Brian's not a bodybuilder. Oh, sorry, Brian. Never mind. You are a bodybuilder, right? Sorry. I'm Brian's <laughs> coach. So, but yeah, that's what they can take away. I love it. I, I, I actually wish we could take another hour. In fact, like for sure, Marty, you're coming back. Probably put you and Brian on here together and see what kind of like clusterfuck that would be. Lord. So, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So let's see. Is, is any of this philosophy, this outlook, this, this sense of humor and this big personality, you know, influenced by or just is there a book in general that has had a profound effect on you? personally or professionally something because we have ask every person here to recommend one yeah oh, if i had to pick just one oh man that's going to be really hard i read a lot i have a audible app which i just nonstop whenever i go walking whatever yeah i probably i, if I, I would probably check my audible uh, hours and it'd be through the roof but i would say either like it's for me it's it's a like if you this would be more going into like if you want to be a coach or how to coach others would be um one called uh, deep work by Cal yeah. Newport that taught me how to put down yes. my phone a lot more. Uh, the, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I backhandedly recommended The War of Art on my my wall. I just kind of put it on my wall. And before you know it, people are like, thank you so much for recommending. Like, I can't can't tell you how many times I've referenced that book. And then The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. That, that, I've been reading that <laughs> Andrew hates and, that book. Oh, man. It, it's it's fantastic, right? So, like, that's uh, – it's, so I would say that half of my reading – probably not even half of my reading now. 60% or more is now life stuff or business stuff, and now yeah. the re- and then the, the rest would be 
kind of the still the nutrition and training. It's not that I'm done reading that stuff. It's just the other stuff is more viable to me as a coach. Cause I'm sure you know that there's people that know everything about the gym, but they have no idea how to coach like we talked about. And then there's the opposite that might know everything about marketing, but don't know two shits about nutrition. So there has to be a hybrid there for any kind of coach. Well, I can't agree enough on deep work sensational mm-hmm. book. Virtually anything Cal Newport writes is great. Uh, as Dean referenced, I actually love to shit on subtle art, but I'll, I'll give subtle art this sort of piece of credit. I really feel like it's the twilight of the modern self-development uh, movement. It's probably put more good self-development literature in people's hands yeah. because it's a gateway book. It's part of this like just fucking shitty trend to put swearing into the. And I, I think our title for this episode is going to end up having some swearing, and I can just tell I've already made a note there. But this trend to like get attention, sell books by by swearing, mm-hmm. and I, I find that sort of thing a little bit of a cheap sort of way to do it. But the end result is people read that book and they're like, oh my god, this book is so profound. And quite frankly, there's lots of good shit in there. I just I have my issues, but I think it is what it is. But it is going to encourage people to find. What I what I truly believe is better literature stuff mm-hmm. like, like fuck anything that Ryan Holiday's written or oh uh, yeah Seth Godin or or again Cal Newport or Malcolm Gladwell yeah. you know but Manson I think is full of shit <laughs> I just do I think he's a total fake I think he gives a shit gives a fuck more than anyone else I've ever read their Twilight? work but I'm not gonna go on that <laughs> I'm not gonna go on that diatribe <laughs> no Let's... no which what I I need clarification what Twilight are you talking about are you talking about like the vampire book. Yes. What's yeah, wrong with that true. book? Fuck you, Andrew. Fuck you, Marty. If you really gray. read Twilight, dive into it. No, I'm just kidding. But if, if you read, like Mark Manson, I was reading for years before he put the book out, and he does have a lot of really great articles, like about philosophy, about other things. And I think it was it was a clickbait topic, a title for sure. He put fuck right in the title. And don't get like in that, but in, like, they, even if he didn't follow it, it's like it, it was still an, enough info that I, I still, like, it, he put a little bit too much of his writing in there like it was recycled material but whatever but yes I, I think i agree with you entirely that just using profanity for the sake of using profanity is just not the way to do it well now okay. you, I, I think do you guys should fight slap them with it <laughs> okay yeah this is this we get well obviously we just ask at the end but like where where can people find you where's the best place to reach you and, and see the content you kind of put out to the world the, the, I just my thing is Instagram. I've always like as soon as it was able to put out there, and I and I saw how well that you could put the twenty two hundred characters in there. I, I so at Mega Marty Coach is I'm on there. I'm not like I, I I don't blog as much as I used to. I'm not on, on Facebook as much as I used to. But but Instagram just a way was uh for me to connect with people by using photos. I love putting up not only just transformation photos on there, but I love putting up. Uh, something that is as of uh, like I I hate this term something of value. I probably they, they, when I hear add value add value it probably pisses off me just as much as people using profanity pisses you off, Andrew. People say add value add value. Doesn't Too many people piss me off. <laughs> yeah, well, I swear more than anybody, but. But just they, they, like you said, it's like it's just like a clickbait thing or just trying to get attention. But like, yeah, they're saying I'm going to add value here and then they never add anything. I try to give something away I like on every single post, even on the transformation ones. I'll say, what did this girl do here or try to make it relevant to them in a sense of like if this girl was a nurse, here's what she did. If this girl was a mom, here's what she did. Just so people can say, oh, wow, it's not just these people with endless time and endless, endless genetics, but no other people can do it, too. But yeah, and then I, you can go to megamarty.com too. It's my website. I kind of have uh, different articles on there that I've written and things like that. But yeah, I'm also on Facebook. You can just find me as, uh, I think they put in my middle name now. Someone got mad and I wasn't allowed to call myself Mega Marty. So now I'm Marty Mega. So whatever. Someone got mad at me. Oh, well. 
<laughs> no, guys, seriously, check Marty out. Uh, his stuff's great. He's coming from, if you haven't, if you made it through this part of the episode, you, re, you haven't figured out that he's actually coming from a really awesome place and really knows what he's talking about, then you're lost. So <laughs> I can't help you there at all. Um, and what we do here at, at the end is, so if you're someone who's actually listening to me and Dean for the first time, and you've heard Marty, and you're already listening, checking out his podcast, but you like what you're seeing here. Some of the people we mentioned, we'll have an Eric Helms episode coming up real soon. Um, we just had Brett, uh, Brett Contreras on not too long ago, Danny Sugar. Yep. We've had, if you like funny, if you like really intelligence people, or intelligent people actually know their shit, Mike Isertel has been on our podcast three fucking times. Just go and find his shit. Jesus, he's a funny human being. Dude's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, and if you like what you're doing, then you know maybe you'll you'll stop listening to Marty's shit. I'm no, just kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, go full in on your guys' podcast. Fuck mine. And yeah. and conversely, guys, if you're our regular listeners and you're actually looking for more great stuff, go check out what Marty's doing with uh, Mind Body Broadcast because you know I love what you have to say here, and like we want to get you back on. Like I got to go and listen to more of this shit because like fuck, this is funny, so I can actually <laughs> enjoy this, this hilarity because I personally like my fitness stuff delivered with someone with a great sense of humor. It's one of the reasons why Mike Isertel is one of my favorite. I feel the man really has a gift for stand-up comedy and probably should have pursued that, except he got really jacked. And we weigh the same, and I'm a large human, and he's eight inches shorter than me, which is fucking terrifying. So, um, guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Marty, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. We will, um, well, we'll talk off air for a second about when we'll air this and uh, guys enjoy the rest of your day all right thanks guys see you guys